If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the sensuous sounds of infosec where we discuss all things information all things security and all things information security i'm ben maliso and i'm matt snotty and i'm rafael fiedler and gentlemen this week we're back to current events i gotta say i really liked last week's episode with with mm -hmm. jellyfish uh, yeah, yeah yeah that was fun that went over really well uh, i was Good. impressed uh, I, I'm reluctant to say this, but maybe we should do that more often. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of who would contact us to get beyond. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she was one of the few that actually reached out and asked. And I think we've mm -hmm. invited people to go ahead and, and promote themselves as as potential guests or, or to bring us subjects. And uh, mm -hmm. she was the only one who stepped up. So uh, mm -hmm. good for her. And, uh, I think that you're too scary, though. I think that people nece don't necessarily want to uh, weather <laughs> the criticisms that you might throw. <laughs> Moi? <laughs> but it's not oh, that scary. And to temper me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. And now Matt is doing the editing. So if you're listening to this and are scared, Matt has the file before Ben has it, so he can cut stuff out. <laughs> ben will never get it back. In the absolute worst case, I'll just feed it all into a, a uh, an AI generator and have it recreate all of our voices and make a make all new content. <laughs> I don't know why we don't do that instead of spending our time recording. I mean, the three of us spending an hour doing this, it just doesn't seem efficient. Speaking of AI, let's jump into our first current event. Um, now... I don't know why this came as a surprise to me, and it it probably shouldn't. And and even when I brought it up with Matt before the show, he said, "Yeah, I'm I'm not shocked at all." Um, uh, sports Illustrated. Now, I know nothing about sports because I am a true blue nerd. I really know nothing about it, uh, but I do know Sports Illustrated is a magazine. And it's one that's fairly reputable in terms of sporting stuff, right? The sports ball, mm -hmm. they cover it good, yep. right? Yeah, and, and, and you're glossing over the most important part, which is the bikini. Ep, uh, uh. Which is how I know about it. <laughs> I was going to say episode, edition. but it's not an episode. Yeah, the edition. Yes, yeah, swimsuit edition. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. Every year, you know, since I was a, a very small nerd, um, the, the swimsuit edition was a prized uh, uh, copy to, to have. Now, I don't know if they still do that. I don't know if the swimsuit models still look like they used to look. They they may have changed the body dynamic uh, concept now. But <laughs> but Sports Illustrated, I think, is and was respected in terms of its sports journalism. They did real stories. They covered real topics. Uh, a recent um, uh, article came out from an entity called future what is it called futurism futurism mm -hmm. futurism and uh they determined that sports illustrated was using fake bylines that is um the names and personas of people that don't exist in order to sign or attribute articles written by chatbots um, uh, ostensibly by AI. Yep. And uh, to me, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this, Matt, do you want to give your take on this? I, I, well, the, 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 the thrust of it is that, um, not only were articles being written by AI, which we've all kind of come to terms with over the past six months to a year, I think that, you know, yeah, some of your news articles are going to be written by AI, but also the authorship was attributed to a fake person that was generated by AI and the photograph that accompanied the byline of the author uh, purportedly was AI generated as well. So it's just AI all the way down. <laughs> Everything is fake. Everything is uh, uh, completely made up in the fever dream of somebody's computer somewhere. So 
Yeah, it wasn't a huge surprise to me. Uh, I, I think I was more surprised that it became news. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm a huge cynic when it comes to a lot of this. So maybe I'm too cynical in that respect. <laughs> and that's possible. And, and, and again, I guess, you know, in hindsight, I'm not all that surprised. I, I guess what took me aback is when Futurism contacted Sports Illustrated to ask them about this. Sports Illustrated went through and scrubbed all those articles. <laughs> which, which to me is pretty damning. You know, even though Sports Illustrated did not comment, at least I didn't see it in the article that, that I shared with y'all and, and the link I'll share in the notes. Um, Sports Illustrated's action subsequent to the question seems like they like an indictment of Sports Illustrated's action. Like Sports Illustrated didn't even have the balls to stand up and say, yeah, we're using this tool. Yeah, people <laughs> people read the article more when there's a face and a name attached to it. And a, this is the one that really gets me. They created fake bios for these fake reporters yeah. as well. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. I like walking on the beach and bungee jumping. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. You like sucking electricity and digesting it as ones and zeros. But if you're already using a large language model to write whole articles, why not do a byline as well? I, I feel like this that is... seems like straight up deception. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, maybe just for people, because uh, the picture was a thing. I have been using this is uh, this person does not exist for quite some time. If I need a profile picture for something, where I want a human face, which is not me. Oh, so, so in other words, you're saying you use AI-generated non-existent people as photographs for yourself when you're identifying yourself in other places? When I have to so, put a, like a on, picture so, somewhere? Yeah, so like on LinkedIn, your profile picture is not you. Oh, that's not true. No, no, no. <laughs> wait, no. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Let, me, let me see what I... You use a placeholder of the words that say this person does not exist? Oh, no, no. That's a, This website is old. This website existed. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Time. This person does not exist is a website. Yes. Okay, you did not make that clear. Okay, it's a website. You put that in, and if you refresh the tab, you each time get a new picture. It's a profile picture, and this is way before um, Dolly and stuff like that happened. And it, they're good. They have been good. Sometimes ears don't match up, or earrings are like mismatched. Okay, okay, like okay, okay. But typically, Rocky, there as a privacy maven, if each picture is new, and you're putting in the request from your IP address, doesn't the app itself know which entities are you based on your usage of the photos that you took from that site when you requested it. Sure. Okay. All right. Just, all right. All right. So, so. <laughs> if they keep a record. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's, I don't mind it. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand. And, and But to me, the deception is the thing that rubs me yeah. the wrong way. Yeah. I, I have no problem. If you want to have chatbots create content, good for you. Go for it. Yeah. But by putting the face there and by putting this fake bullshit bio there, what you're trying to do is you're trying to portray the content as coming from a human being so that human beings will find it more agreeable and amenable. And that, to me, is straight up deceiving the people that you're trying to market to by saying we have the truth. The whole point of journalism, the whole point of news is I'm conveying to you information that you're not getting from somewhere else in a way that you can believe it. Well, if you're predicating this on a lie, aren't you undercutting the whole point of what this is, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Now I'm a, kind of of the opinion that if you're going to do this, rather than, you know, when you get caught scrub it all, lean into it, be like, yeah, we, we, we use AI, we use uh, predictive large language models. And yeah, our, and, and, and by the way, we are now going to tag every one of these articles that is created by such technology within the headline. This is AI generated. And well, I exact, you, that's exactly will, my point is, is make no difference, <laughs> right? Sports, sports illustrated stepping back and, you know, going scorched earth is them admitting they did something wrong as, right. oppo as yeah. opposed to standing up and saying, yes, sports illustrated is all about the latest and greatest technology. And we're going to use it to our advantage. That should have been their answer, right? Yeah. From a PR perspective. I agree because this is, this was a missed opportunity for them to be the leader in AI journalism. And the, if, if they're the first ones to do it, then guess what? By next week, every other site that does it is also going to be doing it, which I'm all for. Uh, now, now, I am vaguely reminded of one of the uh, op-eds that The Onion ran 20 years ago, written by Hal 9000. 
<laughs> and they just the the little photograph next to the byline was just the little glowing eye the and, red I think, dot. <laughs> I, and i think the whole i i don't remember exactly but i think the whole editorial was zero one 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 zero one one zero and i like that that's the kind uh-huh. of uh, you know that's good all right but I don't like that trend. I I don't mind the use of large language models, chats, GPTs, AIs, heuristic. Use everything you got, especially if it means you can get rid of journalists because journalists are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you got you could stop paying them altogether. That's that's wonderful. Kill your whole newsroom. What great. <laughs> Um, now, in full disclosure, you you worked as a journalist for oh, a period yeah. of your oh, life. Yeah, and I still every <laughs> so, now and then somebody pays me to write something. I mean, yeah, that's great, but I, but I'm a hell of a lot more expensive than a large language model, you know, and more annoying, <laughs> and and I and I bitch more when you try to edit my work, you know. So so I can understand the appeal of a GPT here. Um, right. So, uh, Matt, but but you print, but, like you raised something very but, interesting. You said I, but editing. If you're going to do okay. it. Go ahead and label it as such. What Matt said is put that in the put it in the headline. You know, put don't try to deceive people. That's the creepy, mm-hmm. scary shit that we don't want. Sorry, Rafty, what were you saying? I was just asking, like you said, uh, editing. Do we know was it human edited? Why the fuck would you human edit something that you already had written by a computer? I guarantee you it wasn't because uh, in some of the examples that they gave about uh, like playing volleyball and how hard it is to play volleyball or learn how to play volleyball, especially when you don't have a ball, <laughs> no human editor would let that line go. <laughs> did, did you read any of that, Ravdi? No. Or, yeah. yeah they, in the, in the article, they feature some pretty glaring mistakes that the, that the AI made. Um, Yeah. And as we've seen in just the past few years, the overall state of what we call journalism in America has declined precipitously. The use of passive voice in some really pernicious ways, you know, I don't know if it's a political goal or not, but it's really devastated the way that reporting is done. And it's all become kind of pointless. I think if I had to guess, um, we're going to see a migration of most uh, readers or viewers looking at direct reports from people on the ground with cell phone cameras, with, you know, social media posts, with whatever. And then they're going to try to aggregate those across to get the whole picture of something. At some point, I predict that we'll lean back towards having a centralized authority, some entity that is trusted to do that sifting and filtering for us, where they'll put all those man-on-the-street reports together in a simple paragraph and report that, and that'll be the new newspaper. That's my guess. That's my guess. Um, But it won't be owned by Gannett, and it won't be owned by, you know, uh, Bezos. It won't be owned by uh, Times. (laughs) It'll be a new thing. Sinclair. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of journalism, the largest case that uh, really nobody much covered for the past five and a half years, even though it is uh, crucial to journalism, Backpage has just had, I wish I could say the trial is over, but it's just had another culmination. Let's put it that way. Um, The trial of the two founders of Backpage uh, recently came to a head with, uh, jury findings on November 18th. Um, one of the co-founders killed himself before they got to, uh, the outcome. The other one was found guilty of one count of money laundering, found not guilty of another count of money laundering. And then there was a hung jury for the other 84 counts that the government brought against him. So remind me, what, what what's the gist of this story? This was a newspaper in like Arizona or something like that? This was, uh, the, the newspaper started in Arizona. It's called the New Times. New Times ended up owning 14 different newspapers across the country, including uh, eventually buying the, um, uh, what's the, what's the, oh golly, the, the, the iconic paper, the Village Voice. Um, okay. Uh, for Yeah, because I, I remember we talked about this before. So yeah, yeah. it was... 
And they ended up segueing into the online uh, enterprise with Backpage.com as a complement to their New Times publications, which carried the news. Backpage was the classified ads. Backpage became the de facto most popular um, classification listing for independent sex workers. And the federal government and the California state government tried to, um, well, they indicted uh, Backpage and uh, Backpage's owners, uh, but tried to prosecute them for a variety of uh, different crimes. 86, Mm. to be exact. Um, And they've been largely unsuccessful for many years. This was a charge led by Kamala Harris when she was uh, state attorney general of California uh, and has since uh, entered into the federal space, not run by Kamala anymore, but by the uh, Department of Justice. Um, and their accusations ranged wildly. And the government has already screwed up uh, a couple of previous attempts at the prosecution. There was already one mistrial because the government refused to stop using the term sex trafficking during its arguments even though they had not accused Backpage of sex trafficking. Uh, And the judge had to keep reminding them over and over again not to do that, and the government kept doing it anyway. I was going to say, your your description there, as good as it was, did not jive with the charges (laughs) of money laundering. What does sex trafficking have to do with money laundering? Or or, or was that just like the, the whole Al Capone, Rico law, getting them on tax evasion when they can't get them on being mafia people? Yeah. Now, now Al Capone wasn't Rico. Rico came out in the 70s much later. But okay. yes, it, but Al Capone was the, the yes, let's go after his ledgers. Let's go after the, the tax reporting instead of the, the actual uh, mafioso crime. Yeah, right. You know, the murderers, the, the, the brewing of the hooch in the bathtubs, that sort of thing. Um, yes, it's very much that sort of thing, which, which brings me to an old civil libertarian credo, which is the process is the punishment. Um, (laughs) during this prosecution, the government did a whole bunch of things such as seizing or freezing all of the assets owned by the back page, um, uh, personnel, uh, where they could not spend their own money to defend themselves. They, they did not have the wherewithal to continue paying their attorneys and the government has all the time in the world. They dragged this out for five and a half years and the defendants eventually run out of money and, um, willingness to fight anymore. And the yeah. point, the point of this largely is to get them to cop to a guilty plea, which is also why you overcharge them with 86 counts of assorted bullshit and hope they'll take a guilty plea of one thing. Then the government gets to declare victory and how great the government is and everybody else is admonished, um, properly. Right. Um, so now <laughs> the issue is this may not be the end of the case. Because with those 84 counts being hung, that's now a mistrial. And the government, if it chooses to, may continue to seek another trial and try to prosecute them on those additional 84. Wow. I have a tough time with that, brother. I I just... (laughs) The, the the guy who who died by suicide may have have chosen correctly <laughs> because this is death he by saw the writing on the bathroom wall didn't he <laughs> oh boy Shoot, that's... yep yep yeah um speaking of the process being the punishment let's talk about the SEC and how it was recently weaponized by a hacker group oh yeah. Uh, hacker group, and, and I don't even want to say the name of the hacker group, just because I do not want to give them any notoriety whatsoever. Um, but, well, that would imply that anybody listens to the show (laughs) to to spread any kind of publicity. (laughs) We all know that that's not true besides your father and maybe one of my friends. (laughs) Oh, come on. Don't lie. You don't have any friends. Um, Ah. uh, uh, but you're right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the let's name the victim though. Let, let's, let's go ahead and do that. So this hacking group hacked, uh, an entity called what the hell was it? What the hell was it? Meridian link, an online financial, uh, basically a loan company, right? They hacked them and the hackers 
demanded some ransom and uh, Meridian Link refused to engage with the hackers. So like any good ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> the hackers... That's important to say, Meridian Link is a publicly traded company, correct? Correct. Okay, so that's the important, that's the key to this. That is the issue here, is Meridian Link is regulated by the SEC like any other publicly traded entity. And the SEC in July made some new rules about getting hacked. The rules include that within four days of knowledge of the hack, the publicly traded corporation, the victim, must report the hack to the SEC by filing an, what do they call it, an 8K report? Yeah, and there's actually a public database of these reports that you can look up. And oh, it's yeah. not just not just breaches and hacks, but anything that happens in a publicly traded company that could affect stock value and, and is reported is in a publicly searchable database. And, and that makes sense according to the SEC's mandate, which is leveling the playing field for traders, including mm -hmm. individual investors, right? I mean, the right. whole point of this is to avoid having insider trading, uh, to not have any prejudicial information in one party's hand that the rest of the parties don't get, right? Yep. Uh, uh, so they made this rule about the four-day report, which to me, again, I, I, as much as regulation may be well-intentioned. What do we know about breaches and incidents? You don't know Dick within the first four days. What is it you're actually reporting? But, but that's the rule. So what the hacking group did out of spite and malice, they filed their own report against Meridian Link for not reporting the breach. Yep. <laughs> so they weaponized the SEC they told on who they hacked because they who they hacked didn't report it <laughs> to the SEC. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just a quick question. Um, is it uh, like, do we know what is considered? Like, do they have to have confirmation that the breach happened? Because knowledge, I mean, is does it mean like they need to, you were co absolutely correct, have being suspicious of a breach um, to actually knowing if data was actually exfiltrated, because even if it's ransomware, like you don't know if any data was exfiltrated. And if and, you have and, good backups. And Rafti, you know, and Rafti, you, you're running into the whole question of unintended consequences of the SEC's regulation. Oh, what, yeah. if, what if I don't even do a hack? What if I just go and report to the SEC that I did a hack of, <laughs> of Walmart? This is the sort of shit that the IRA used to do when it was when it was active uh, in its uh, terror campaign. They would make stuff up and wait for the government to try to deny that the attack occurred so that they could say, oh, the government's hiding this from you. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is the agent provocateur kind of stuff that um, criminals have been doing for hundreds of years. Once you make the rule, the rule can be weaponized. Um, this is a form of, of what I consider the, the, the practice of swatting, where you, you, know, mm. you, you, you call out a SWAT team against your enemy, and the SWAT team, thinking that it's acting in the best interest of the community, is instead attacking someone on behalf of the person who made the call. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Now, from the article I read, um, the SEC did not reply for a request for comment to the uh, journalism source that ran the original story. Um, so the SEC does not seem to be taking the hacker's report with any veracity. We'll see how that plays out and we'll see what occurs then, because... This ends up being like one of those bomb in the airport jokes. You, the regulator cannot sit and pick and choose on the reports it chooses to follow up. Otherwise, it's going to get a whole bunch of false negatives and a whole bunch of false positives, and things are going to fall through the cracks. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking that of being said, is, that I mean that that is nefarious though. That that that's a whole other level of extortion. <laughs> you're either going to pay me or you're going to pay uh, the regulators. The feds. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, I have no love for criminals, but it takes a, an, a, a respectfully sick mind to come up with that. <laughs> you know, 
I, I it's not I don't want to say I admire that chutzpah, but I I I certainly acknowledge that there's a creativity at work there. Yeah, right? yeah. I yeah. would never have thought of that, but now that I now that I've heard that this can occur, I can't unsee it. <laughs> it and it's so simple. You know, yeah. why, why didn't we fucking think of this? We're the, we're the security <laughs> experts, right? Right. Speaking of the SEC and the process being the punishment, um, Rafti, how much do you know about the SEC, about administrative law and regulation in the United States? Not a lot, but okay. I re- like I learned a couple of episodes ago that you apparently can get like into prison. Like, wasn't it the SEC with the taxes where you can actually? Oh, that was like it, going it, it into prison. It, it was the taxes. It was. It wasn't the taxes thing. That's the IRS. The the SEC. Oh, IRS. Okay. The SEC sent the guy to prison who was the CISO. Who? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> Rafti, if you were building an instrument of justice. Who do you think should do the investigations on behalf of the SEC if a publicly traded corporation violates the SEC's regulations? Who should be the investigatory body? Uh, Somebody who's not involved. Okay. What if I were to tell you that the investigators are owned by the SEC? They are SEC agents. Of course. That's that's tilted, of course. No. Okay. So, 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 Rafti. If I were to ask you, who do you think should be the adjudicator, that is the, <laughs> the judge or panel or committee or jury for regulatory infractions? Who, who do you think should do that on behalf of the SEC? Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, of course. Somebody impartial. No, still the same. You, you don't think it should be the SEC <laughs> that owns the judge and pays the judge? and the... Now, oh, now, we, now this, this sounds like dread, isn't it? Like Judge Dread. It's you know? exactly like Judge Dread. <laughs> Go, and and the interesting in. thing is, the founders of our country recognized early on that if you give the crown ultimate executive, now we do need laws, and we do need to punish crimes, and we do need to investigate crimes, and we do, but it has to be fair and just and objective. But the founders realized that if you incorporate all those powers into one entity, you end up with Judge Dredd, right? And and not the good Judge Dredd like the comic book, but the bad Judge Dredd like the movies. Um, and and uh, that's why in the criminal justice system for non-regulatory bodies, we have adversarial law. And um, it's evolved over many years to the point where recognizing that there's a disparate amount of power in the government, because the government has all the money and all the time and all the personnel in the world, um, we've done things like given the right to the defense of public defenders, where now the government also pays for attorneys for people who are being accused of crimes. And that that's a good thing. Um, there's also rules about disclosure of evidence. The government can't keep any surprise witnesses. The government can't keep any evidence secret from the defense. The The trial itself has to be open to the public and for public uh, scrutiny and review. In most cases, there are very, very few exceptions to that, and they, they exceed the bounds of normality. Um, but they put all these things in place, and they hallowed them even in the Bill of Rights of the United States, where it says that uh, anybody who's accused of a crime has a right to a fair and speedy trial and to be tried by a jury of their fellow citizens. The regulatory agencies in making their regulations and enforcing what's known as administrative law do not have juries. The judge makes the ultimate decision and works for the regulator. It turns out <laughs> that the it, that the SEC had a practice whereby the investigators, that is the prosecutors at the SEC, were sharing private notes with the judges at the SEC that were not able to be reviewed by the accused. That is, those publicly traded corporations who were being accused of whatever wrongdoing or rules violations that they had engaged in. So 
one of these publicly traded corporations, oh, and, and this is not unique to the SEC. This is all, this also is the FTC. It's, it's mostly any of those agencies that are given regulatory control. And, and there's a very good book famously that I would highly recommend called the, the, it's either the devil or the demon inside the beltway about one entity that basically got shut down from making um, medical life-saving devices because one of their interns one summer downloaded a couple of songs from LimeWire against their own internal policy. Fascinating book. Um, <laughs> but, but the SEC recently was taken to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will be hearing this case very soon because one of these companies that was being prosecuted by the SEC said, wait a second, I'm not even allowed to appeal to federal appeals court in an SEC decision until I've exhausted the entire SEC administrative process, which is Byzantine and lasts for a decade and costs, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. This is not constitutional. This goes against the whole fair and speedy trial and, and the right to be heard um, by a, a jury of my peers. And the SEC, in response to both the discovery that they were sharing notes between judges and prosecutors and that um, this case was going to be heard very soon, dropped 42 cases that were currently pending. <laughs> now, the SEC claims that this is their response in a desire to be more open and forthcoming. If you're going to be more open and forthcoming, you don't shut everything down and run away. That is not how it goes. Moreover, the SEC took the additional step of saying um, our own inspector general may be biased, so we will not let the SEC inspector general investigate the SEC and its practices. Instead, we're going to hire an outside consulting group. Uh, this is the, uh, it's called the Berkeley Group or some, yeah. Um, the Berkeley Group has been a contractor for the SEC for decades and has done many, many other jobs for the SEC. So in terms of independent and objective review, it's really hard to say that this guy that we've been paying for, you know, 20 years, yeah, he's he's going to be fair and objective against us, right? <laughs> um, of course, some third now, party should decide what a, what a independent actually means, but they're saying the right things. I I agree, and an independent like party should, should they're, investigate. They're saying the right things, but every action that they're taking is anathema to what should be going on. Sure, sure. But at least they know what to say. That's that's the first step, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, to be fair, though, if you're a, a, a body, a regulatory body like the SEC, which, as you said, is Byzantine and has tons of laws and tons of, uh, you know, bureaucracy and, and cogs and wheels and things and offices and stuff like that, you don't want to be the newbie walking in there with, you know, with a blank slate and not having any idea of how anything works at the SEC if you're going to investigate it because it would take too long for you to get up to speed to even start your investigation. You don't have the, the base of knowledge. Except, to... in, except in government service, by and large, the entire population of the SEC turns over every six years. So if there's a learning curve that is so dramatic that no outsider can ever learn it, first of all, that's shitty law. <laughs> if regulations have to be handled by mandarins who are born into that social class, that's <laughs> fucked up because who can be expected to follow those regulations? Second of all, if that were the case, then there's no way that a new bureaucrat or administrator could come in and take over the SEC because they'd have no idea what their footing was. What you're doing is basically you're saying we need a deep state to run our SEC and other <laughs> administrative entities. And that's a very threatening thing, especially when their court system is separate and independent from the criminal court system. I would much rather see all of those cases heard in federal courts. And if you have to make a separate flavor of federal court for that, so that those judges and clerks and whatever become knowledgeable without portion of the law, we already do that for maritime law. We already do that for international law. We have separate courts for separate flavors. That's okay. We can do that. Just get it out of the hands of the people. You can't write the law 
enforce the law, prosecute the law, and be the adjudicator of the law. That's not, that's Judge Dredd, and we don't want that anymore. To be fair, I've been accused of that myself by my children, so I'm quite familiar <laughs> with the concept. There is no greater tyrant <laughs> than the head of household, as well it should be. <laughs> That's my food you're eating. That's my water you're drinking. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. If they're dependent upon you in a parasitical manner, absolutely. Then you do have, you know, utmost. Do they ever try to do the the independent objective hearing? But mom. Dad, yeah. do they ever do that? Oh, they ever see, appeal see, to the outside counsel? See, 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 my wife is is much more draconian than I am, and so they, so I'm the one that they appeal to when mom doesn't tell them what they want to hear because dad's a pushover, <laughs> <laughs> or or at least more so of one. <laughs> I, for some reason, I don't doubt that. I honest, I do believe that. <laughs> did did your did your children ever do the thing to you? It said. I'm going to report you to CPS. They ever try that with you? Oh my. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. Uh-huh. That sounds scary. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, it is terrifying yeah. for most yeah. parents. Now the, the good parents, the good parents that I've known reached over, picked up the phone and said, here, here, I'll yeah, dial. <laughs> yeah. We, they, they explained to the child, do you know the first thing that happens when you call CPS? You're gone this afternoon. I could use the break. Make the call. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. So, yeah. And, and just as a, a tiny little aside to all this, yeah, uh, our youngest daughter, we adopted from the foster care system. So we already have an, an established relationship with CPS. So there is a regulator that does follow you and the child consistently, right? Well, not anymore. Now that we've formally adopted uh, our youngest and she's, you know, fully integrated into our family. No, no, we don't have a social worker anymore. But but yeah, while she was a foster kid, um, yeah, there were regular uh, meetings and checkups and, and uh, you know, all, all the attorneys that were involved and yeah, everybody like that. So yeah, we had all I'd say we had a relationship with CPS and thankfully it was a good one and it was productive. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, uh, on the once or twice that that even came to be uttered out of the mouth of one of my other children. <laughs> yeah, it was something along the lines of, that's fine. Here's the, here's the number of our social worker. Go ahead and give her a call <laughs> and, uh, and we'll, we'll take it from there. <laughs> it shuts the little brats right up, doesn't it? I mean, once they realize their bluff has been called, they, they start to think about what another foster home might be like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know what? At some point, if, if you're amenable to it and, and you don't think it'd be too damaging to your family, uh, I'd love to do an episode about the security of that. I've heard horror stories. Uh, is the state of Kentucky generally perceived as a good arbiter of CPS? As far as I know, yeah. I, don't, I haven't um... – I mean, I think like with any place, uh, child when you when you get into children and and foster care and social workers and all that kind of stuff, yeah, there uh, there's always cracks in the system. It, it's always an overloaded system. It's always a, a poorly paid position to be a social worker in that branch of government, and it's completely underappreciated. Um, but we had some, uh, uh, we had our share of of good experiences, um, some not so good. Uh, but overall, I think that Kentucky does a pretty good job of handling all of its uh, child protection services. So yeah. Cool. And aren't there attorneys, uh, what's called ad litem where they're, mm-hmm. they're, yep. they're, they are assigned as the temporary guardian on behalf of the child looking up yeah. the child's best interest. Yeah. Yeah. It's called a guardian ad litem. And yeah, when, when you are a child and a ward of the state, you are essentially parentless. Um, even though obviously you were born to parents, uh, but when, when you're a ward of the state, uh, yeah, an attorney is assigned to, to you as the child and, and makes those decisions on your behalf to, uh, with, with regards to foster care adoption, uh, you know, continuing care, stuff like that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, you know, all kidding aside for this one time only, I would imagine that the, the guardian ad litem and the social worker assigned to your particular foster kid walked into your home and said, okay, this kid hit the lottery. Uh, out, of all, <laughs> out of all the foster situations we've seen, this is the one we're going to have to worry about the least. So good on you, Matt, for doing that and uh, much appreciated. That's, that's a fantastic thing you've done. It all right, was, one was... – yeah, go ahead. It was your. Oh, I was just gonna say it, it, it was it was an interesting <laughs> journey. That's <laughs> a much more honest answer than it was my pleasure. That's that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What well, one final current event that I think is absolutely worth noting for its 
absolute brazenness. Uh, you know, you know, as I, I, I said, I didn't want to quite admire the criminal in that previous case. In this case, I have the utmost contempt for this criminal. This, this one just absolutely blows me away. And I am going to name the son of a bitch. Um, all right. This fella, Vickless Singla, was the COO of a company called Securalytics. Not securitized. Securalytics. <laughs> and Vickless, in his attempt to market his company's... Sec oh, uh, Securalytics is an IT security infosec consulting firm. In his efforts to go ahead and market their services to their customer base, decided it would be a good idea to attack the network of a prospective client to demonstrate how weak they are and how easily their security could be circumvented. <laughs> the client, and again, this story just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The prospective client was a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm not going to excuse any criminal behavior, but if he had gone and attacked a paint factory, okay, uh -huh. I'd still say he's an asshole, but I wouldn't say he's a raging, festering asshole. He went and attacked a hospital. Did he stop there after he got in? Did he do non-intrusive, non-destructive penetration testing? No, he went and stole 200 patient records. Did he stop there? Not Vickis, not our man Singla. <laughs> he decided that it would be a good idea to use this in his marketing material and published this to other prospective clients, including posting the personal data of 43 of the patients whose data he stole. Where do we start with this one, gentlemen? This sounds like a man who has never been beholden to the ISC2 <laughs> code <laughs> of ethics. <laughs> oh, now I'm curious. I'm going to go look up and see if he's a CISSP. <laughs> yeah, because that, that would be a quick way to uh, call that into question. Uh, yeah, and, and we discussed this briefly be before uh, when you brought this article up. Joey and I and, and my other colleagues in, in IT, we joke around with each other and with our clients about how, oh, oh wouldn't it be funny you know, if, if we're having a slow month? Oh, let's just breach one of our clients and then go through and charge them to clean it up. You know, In other words, just making work for ourselves. Oh, you guys are probably the ones that released the virus in the first place. Oh, you guys are the ones. And, and we, it, we, we, we say that in jest, and that's never the case. We don't do that. No, we have too high standards. Why don't you? Why don't you? Just to show them. <laughs> just to show them what could happen. Don't they deserve it for being, for wearing that short skirt? Don't they deserve it, man? <laughs> Absolutely not. It is completely unethical. It is. It goes against everything, uh, and not only business practices, but just being a good human. There's no reason to do that. Thank you. And I'd go beyond unethical into immoral when you attack a hospital. Yeah, yeah. Because in this case, yeah, the hospital they got attacked, they, they actually had some life-saving equipment shut down, if I remember, if I read the article right. No, they said they could have. The, oh, okay, okay. The, the FBI, in its wonderful hyperbole, as they always do, said this could have affected okay. life-saving equipment. Okay, all right, yes. But it could, but they're right in this case. You don't yeah. know what you're dicking with when you go in and hack into somebody else's system, right? Maybe you right. think you're shutting down a printer, but it's really a respirator. Yeah. Yeah. And and what if it was one of your loved ones that was in that hospital when that occurred and your loved one passed away because they couldn't get the care that they needed? And it was all because of this jack wagon who was fucking around with <laughs> their network. Oh, my gosh. That, I would be livid. Oh, uh, yeah. This guy's a piece of shit. I, you know, I, I, and I would be right up there saying, you know, it's okay to use attempted murder charges against that person. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and make it second degree, make it manslaughter, but it is, it's callous disregard for human life is really what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. 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 And I guess it makes it, uh, of course, and um, that like, it makes it harder that it he was part of the industry as well. Um, Thank we you, have Rafty. Been... Thank you. 
No, but like safing has been attacked and we have gotten messages of people who, are, who wanted us to be thankful for pointing out stuff. Um, they basically did not find anything, but still we saw the attack and we, we, we like they're doing a community service by attacking yes. you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, a free pen test. <laughs> no, but for real. Are you real. fucking kidding? Seriously. <clears throat> One yeah. one even tried to charge us for this uh, service for for giving us, and he's like, no, but I tell everybody that you're like that you did well and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, no, absolutely not, <laughs> you're, dude. You're a fucking felon. The fact that you don't even realize yeah. that what you were doing was criminal activity demonstrates your ignorance of the law of security of everything. I mean, that just that astounds but, me. But that, of course, was not like somebody who is charged with protecting others' data and somebody who should know better. This is partly why I'm said like this is even worse than that. Um, if some kid is messing around with our systems, we are responsible for protecting our customers. Uh, and this is the reason why we do this. This is the reason why Matt has a job and why people pay him for for protecting exactly against stuff like that. Um, and and this is this is okay. Um, it's not okay what they're doing, but like that this stuff happens, um, that's okay-ish, I'd say. But if you're selling something and if you're trying to to make it wait, like, say, more wait, appealing, I just want I want to clarify what you're saying here. No, I'm saying I, I know. I, this I, is- I just I just want to clarify because I I <laughs> okay. think I understand what you're saying, but I want to okay. add the nuance to it, please. Yeah. You please understand do. that there's a certain amount of amateurs, usually yes. younger people who are going to go around rattling doorknobs because they think it's fun and cool. Not that they should be considered vigilante heroes, but you know that as an entity online, you have a certain level of expectation of this background noise of uh, community hackers, right? Yeah. And you you recognize that that's a threat. You you. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're you're not saying that you appreciate and that you think that's a good thing. You're just saying that you know that it exists. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm and this is you. the reason why our industry exists. Uh, yes. This is the reason okay. for it. And so I'm like, okay, this is a this is a matter of fact, so to speak. And even if it's illegal and stuff like that, but you know what's going to happen. You can't pretend exactly. that there aren't graffiti artists out there. You know that there's a certain amount of graffiti, and therefore you take certain steps. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to say because you were like adding to the point where you're like, hey, um, he's trying to make money off of it. There are people who don't sell stuff who try to make money off of it. Like basically, I'm giving you a certificate and stuff like that as well. And it's it's exactly. And this is it's it's um yeah no okay okay so when I was growing up, there was a there was the famous case of the four one four crew, um, a gang of kids. Again, amateurs who hacked a variety of entities, mostly through telco lines. You know, this was so old. This was so far ago. This was the age of BBSs. And um, one of the things that they had done is they had hacked into the PBX of a uh, hospital in New York. And when the prosecutors were prosecuting these kids, they made the claim that the kids could have shut down life-saving equipment and killed some patients. Now, at that time, I think one of the defense uh, members of of the team uh, uh, representing these children said, hey, if your hospital's connected to your telephone, or if if your respirator's connected to your telephone, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Which Which is a very subtle difference in the short skirt analogy. They're not blaming the victim there. What they're saying is... These kids were not going out to shut down respirators. These kids were going out to steal free phone services, basically what they were doing. Now, that's a whole order of magnitude difference. And I think it's the distinguisher in Rafti, what you're saying. Vickless is supposed to be the COO of a security consultancy. Vickless is an adult. Vickless is supposedly a member of our tribe and is going and violating those very laws that he's supposed to be enforcing compliance for. And if you can't understand the moral and ethical and legal failing, what the hell is he doing in our line of work? Yeah. And I'm with, and and so I see the distinction you're making there, Rafti. We expect a certain amount of idiot children to do shit like this, but when it's one of our own, 
hang them from the yard arm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Go harder after those because it's not fun and it's absolutely something that should not be repeated. He's agreed to pay $817,000 plus interest to the victim, the hospital. What I want to know is how did Vickless get more than 817000 in the first place? <laughs> I assume that he's probably uh, been paid for his unauthorized services on other customers under the table. <laughs> or, or that this company was a going concern, this, this what is it called, Securalytics? That that's a going concern, that that's an actual business that makes actual money doing yeah. actual shit. And that really frustrates me because I haven't made $817,000 for doing my security stuff. (laughs) Then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And here's where we add the final dash of more chutzpah. Vickless has contacted the prosecutors who've agreed to not ask for the 10 years in prison that the charges could otherwise bring when it comes to sentencing. Now he's already been found guilty. This was the, the, and I'll share this article link as well. It's just the sentencing hearing hasn't been held yet. The prosecutors will now instead ask for 57 months of probation because Vickless has a medical condition that would be tough to treat inside prison. I didn't realize being an asshole was a medical condition. You'd think, right? Yeah. <laughs> if so, I mean, mine's chronic. I, you know, <laughs> right? You should be on Medicaid for that. Jeez. Son of a bitch! You know, it, for him to fall back on medical woes after he attacked a hospital, I, I, I uh, that rubs me the wrong way so hard. You know how he could have like gotten that money. Maybe he said he would report some of those companies to the SEC. You know, <laughs> that's very possible. We, if if Securalytics business plan includes blackmail, yeah, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> Extortion, blackmail. It's easy to come up with eight hundred grand when you've got all these tools in your in your uh, in your toolbox. See, I've been Absolutely. doing security wrong. I've yeah, just been yeah. doing it wrong all these years. Yeah. But yeah, back to your point of, of, of you're doing it wrong. Um, yeah, if your company has to uh, un- perform unauthorized breaches on hospitals to 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 drum up new business, you're not you're you're doing it very very wrong. There's tons of business out there, um, guys like you know, and 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 in my uh, industry, we there, there's too much work out there. You don't need to throw a you, you can't you can't throw a rock without hitting a company that needs somebody helping them out with their security. You don't need to go through all, through all these hoops and put your own personal uh, money and gosh your personal being at risk doing this kind of stuff. It, it, so yeah, he's just an asshole. He's just an asshole, and and just a uh, I mean, the worst kind of asshole. I, even we know we know how to do pen testing. Pen testing's not a new industry. It's not the 1980s anymore. Yeah. You know, you don't do destructive testing. You do not capture patient data. You have non-disclosure agreements. You act in a scope manner. Oh, scoping statements. I mean, come the fuck on. There is no excuse here. None. Zip zilch. And pen testing, of course, uh, I I don't think this needs to be said, but prior agreement is like scope. We already said, but prior agreement, like no, and and notice is not an agreement. Yeah. This is what we are getting. And notice, be aware, I'm attacking you now. Take that, that's this not as a thing. That exact. Yeah. That's just a crime. That's just yes. advertising the mugging that's coming. That's <laughs> be aware. Be aware. I'll be in your neighborhood with a pistol mugging you later today. It's just... <laughs> oh, Vickus. Vickus. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to repeat Vickus from now on. Whenever we have to talk about some asshole, Vickus is going to be my no my new go to. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, gentlemen, I'm sorry. I think we took up way more of your time than we intended. Uh, do you do you all have anything you want to add for this week or anything uh, we think uh, should be covered or any personal notes? 
I don't have anything, but I know that Rofty's company just recently got featured on a YouTube channel, and he's been seeing a uh, a, a huge number of downloads, which is which is good for Rofty for and for saving. So congratulations, yes. Rofty. Yes, Rofty, congrats. We're going to include that link in our show notes too. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's just like I I don't know how and when. Um, I guess it comes in waves, but the security or more security channels have picked us up. There were a couple of ones um, who who did videos, but one was, I think it was PC Security at PC Security, fairly big channel, uh, almost a million subscribers. And um, super interesting. He just reviewed Portmaster um, and claimed it is the best personal firewall you can use at the moment. Holy and, shit, Rofty. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now, it is. now this this person who did the review, it, is he an AI bot with a fake profile that says he likes kittens and uh, flowers? And... He did not reach out. Okay. I have okay. All right. All right. I suspect that he doesn't exist. That's that's my thought. <laughs> but if you've not tried out Portmaster yet, and, and I, as I've said uh, several episodes back, I run it on all my forensic computers, and I think it's a great product. And so... Um, yeah, thank you. Definitely help out Rofty's company because Lord knows they need it. We need we, we need Rofty to be uh, a, a rich uh, tech billionaire as soon as possible so we can all quit our jobs. Please, please. Not that Rofty has made any intimations that he's actually going to support the Century Sounds <laughs> if he becomes a billionaire, but we're kind of going to hope on that. We're going to we're going to we're going to sell him his intellectual property, including outtakes of the recordings that we have. So it's not quite extortion or blackmail, and he's not a hospital. So I have no problem going after him. Uh, but yes, that's safing.io, and we will post the link in the show notes. Congratulations, Rafti. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, what, when are we going to air this? On Friday? Yeah. Okay. If you're an early listener to this episode and you get it on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, uh, Monday, December 4th, I'm going to be launching a wannabe a CISS pre P prep class, uh, a live online course. Um, it's at a massively discounted rate from my normal courses because it'll be recorded and used for self-study for future students. Um, so if you're studying for the CISSP, particularly if you intend to take it after April 14th of next year, uh, this course will be aligned to the new exam outline, the 2024 exam outline. So come join us. We still got seats and, uh, love to have you in class. Yeah. Great. All right. And maybe you'll see a guest appearance by Matt. He does tend to join us so he can kibitz on my forensic section and tell me what I get wrong. Um, and you can hear <laughs> he slathers on the aw shucks hillbilly accent when he comes into <laughs> class. So it's a treat. It's worth the 250 bucks just for that. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just blabbering at this point. Listen to him enunciate. You hear that? Did you hear that, Rafi? He particularly <laughs> tried to avoid the accent in that sentence. It's cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, gentlemen, thank you again. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fitler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. 
Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster. Downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.